It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the special round one draft reaction edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow with you. Uh, we'll react to the Giants selections at number five and seven overall, and the name should sound familiar to anybody that's listened to our draft content this year. With the fifth overall pick, the Giants select Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end out of Oregon. And at number seven overall, they select Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of the University of Alabama. So very briefly, guys, let's talk about the players first, and then we'll move on from there. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, we talked about it on tape the most talented pass rusher in this draft, can win in a variety of ways, has a great get-off, uh, has been considered up for the number one overall pick in this draft since he was a recruit out of high school. Then you have Evan Neal, 6'7", 337, started three years at three different offensive line positions out of Alabama, right tackle, left tackle, left guard. So a very versatile lineman, a great athlete, just huge 34-inch arms, carries that 335 better than anyone in this draft. He was a team captain, consensus All-American, go down the list. A lot of people consider him the top tackle in the draft. So the Giants, if you want to go at the tape, based on a lot of people's projections, got the best pure pass rusher with the most upside, and then maybe the offensive tackle that could be the number one offensive tackle in this draft, depending on who you talk to. And we'll talk about the strategy involved in those picks. But Paul, I was with you on the field at the stadium. I enjoyed watching your overwrought reaction, as you might expect. Give me your thoughts on Thibodeau and Neal at 5-7. and seven. Well, quickly on, on Thibodeau, the thing about him is that his get-off at the snap is very unique. I think it's the quickest get-off that I have seen outside of OCU Manura in, in my 40 years now of covering this team in the NFL. I think he is that quick uh, off the line of scrimmage. Um, I have talked to some scouts who said to me, you know what? He could not only play down, he could also play standing up because he's equally as explosive with his first step. And that is how he's going to win, John. He wins because of that anticipation and that quickness right at the snap of the ball. He's got the bend, the flexibility, the ability to turn the corner, and make no mistake about it, he's going to have to add some power because there will be some tackles in this league who might be able to anticipate him and lock him up. And by the way, I'll throw in length too, Paul. He has 33 oh, inch arms. He does. Mm-hmm. He has length too. There's no question about that. And so um, physically, his one huge advantage, and by the way, he also has, has some moves too. He's not a one-trick pony. Oh, no, he can win in a, he is a win with a variety of pass rushers. A toolbox, more as I so like to than say. Any other, that's why we called him the best pure pass rusher, right? Yes. He can win in the largest variety of ways. So for all those reasons, okay, the Giants looked at him, and, you know, I think we've talked about this on BBK, if you folks have listened. Um, the things that I kept hearing from the veteran NFL people who I talked to is that Hutchinson and Thibodeau are, are the only two pass rushers in this draft who you can realistically expect to be a double-digit sack guy more than once. That there may be a flash in the pan amongst some of the other edge rushers, but these are the two guys. And quite honestly, Joe Shane will get more into that later. Just a brief comment about him. He said it was clear. After those top two pass rushers, there was a deep drop on the Giants board. So they did not have Jermaine Johnson ranked that high. They did not have Trayvon Walker ranked that high. He said there were two pass rushers and then a deep drop 
on his board. I thought he just said after Thibodeau, though, was a deep drop. He might have said two. I he didn't said two that pass rushers. Okay, I got you. So that means they were thinking Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and after that, they didn't see it as four premier pass rushers as a lot of other people did. So that was the reason. Now, just going back to Thibodeau for a second, some of the things that he said, I know you want me to get to Neil in a moment. No, that's okay. So I'll be quick. Um, <laughs> Thibodeau said... Uh, the Giants are, are getting a leader and a competitor and a guy who wants to win by any means. And eat. He mentioned eating he a lot. He wants to eat. He did. Yes. Um, one of the other things I thought was interesting, he said he spent more time with the Giants in pre-draft research than any other team. And in fact, there was a FaceTime just before he got on the plane with the Giants uh, that made him convinced that the Giants were indeed extremely interested in him. As you know, the Giants visited him at the Combine. They had him in for a personal visit. They also did a Zoom meeting with him. They did a lot of research on him. And obviously, they were very, very happy with what they got. Uh, about the pick, he said it was a blessing. Uh, he also said that he thinks the Giants are going to get a guy who leaves it all on the line. He's a smart guy. He'll show his versatility for the team. Versatility by meaning he can be play up or down. Uh, he sat with Strahan when he visited the Giants. Remember when Michael Strahan was here a couple of weeks ago, John, mm -hmm. for the Giants' uh, voluntary minicamp? Thibodeau was here that day. He sat with Strahan and used Strahan as a mentor. So I think those are some of the real key things that, that he said in his call. And he was a quote machine. I mean, he, he really was, was just dropping quotes left and right. He, like, he, he's a big personality. He's a big personality. So he showed it. And if you watched any of the interviews this week, he showed it. Also a heck of a player. Lance, why don't you go on Thibodeau first, and then we'll circle back yeah, to Neil. that makes sense. Well, in terms of production, you're bringing in a guy that was consistent, which is, I think, what Paul alluded to. I mean, the bottom line is he had 35 and a half tackles for loss over his three seasons and 19 sacks, and he led his team in each of those departments. So if you're going to take a top 10 pick and you're going to invest that in a pass rusher, you want a guy that has produced over the last few years, and he certainly fits the bill. I think also, and the Giants front office spoke of this, including Brian Dable, you've got Aziz Ojolari, and now you got Thibodeau. So you got two young pass rushers that you could build around, and of course you got Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, who they just picked up the fifth-year option. Like most teams, you want to feel as if you have a group of guys that you can rotate, but most importantly, that can play off one another, meaning the interior guys are going to open things up for the edge guys, vice versa. And I think Thibodeau, with his versatility, and his athleticism and his length certainly is attractive from that standpoint. Guys, remember, they had 34 sacks last season, okay? That was tied for 22nd in the National Football League. We could talk all we want about offensive line, and we will with Evan Neal, but make no mistake about it, the Giants needed to add some beef up front to help that pass rushing department. And I think Thibodeau, at least on the surface, does that because of his track record in college. I think the rest will fall into place. He's a big personality, you said, John, but he's a big personality that's fit to find his niche in a big city. So I really don't think that's going to be a problem for him. As far as Evan Neal is concerned, once again, track record. You mentioned the versatility. John played three different positions in college. But he has exposure to right tackle, which is where Joe Shane said they have every plan to start him on the right side. 
Andrew Thomas is going to be your left tackle. You got your bookends coming out of the SEC. Two guys that have been battle-tested. And Neil's a presence. You guys were talking about Thibodeau's size. Six, seven we're talking about. Over 300 pounds. So it's going to be tough for pass rushers to get around him because he's quite the presence. He's going to be tested, especially within the NFC East. Each of these teams that the Giants are going to have to face have elite guys that can get after the quarterback. But I think if you're the Giants, you filled a huge need and you got good value. And I think, Paul, you were alluding to this. If they did think there was a drop-off at pass rusher, well, then that's more of a reason why you take Thibodeau at five. If you feel much better about the depth at offensive linemen, then you at least put yourself in a position at seven to walk away with one of the two guys that in all likelihood are still going to be there. So I think from a mathematical value board standpoint, I think it worked out better than perhaps you could have scripted if you're the New York Giants right now. One thing to add about Thibodeau, John, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. You but, got it. Go ahead. You're but Wink Martindale, we've talked about his complexities and his variety of fronts. Uh, Old Jolari played some left side and some right side last year. He did flop a little bit. Uh, Thibodeau also did the same thing at Oregon. He also did some flopping, some standing up and some down. So, you know, when you talk about that amoeba defense – and the different fronts and how many guys are going to be in the front, who's standing up, who's down, who's left, who's right, who's coming, who's not coming. Now that you have uh, uh, three guys who can get to the quarterback, Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, and Aziz Ojolari, that's really good because Wink Martindale now knows if he wants to put up a six-man front, there are three guys that he can put in any combination that he wants to who people are going to have to respect. You know, Lance mentioned this, and now I will take my bow because you guys yelled at me about all these scenarios and hypotheticals and how I kept throwing at you and I was annoying you. Well, guess what Joe Shane's been doing for the past two months up in the Giants' war room? He's been doing and the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, Brian Dillon made a joke that he walks around with these magnets in his pocket, and any time of day he can bring them out and he starts putting them in different orders. Well, if this guy's here, if he's not, then do we wait? Do we predict what the Panthers are going to do? And Lance, you, you pointed this out, but I'll get a little deeper. He basically said, look, Thibodeau is by far our best defensive player, and he said specifically pass rusher, but I got to imagine, given the fact that Stingley and Gardner were gone, he was probably the next best defensive player with a big drop-off, too, after him, right? But all three tackles were there, and there wasn't much distance in there, and he said, we didn't know what their evaluation of the three tackles were. Well, he told us that there wasn't much distance between the three, Mm -hmm. so they said, let's this was the scenario they worked out. If this is the scenario they were in, which guy do you take? And he basically said, even if there were just two tackles there, they would have taken Thibodeau right. in that spot, and they would have just taken whatever tackle was left. So they sat there. They decided, look, we're good with any of these three tackles, so pick the best guy you want at the other position first, and we'll just take whatever's left. That's sound strategy, and that's some of the stuff we've been trying to, to dissect over the past couple months on our program. John, I thought it was interesting. They let the board come to them, you know. And and it was Dable who actually said during all these machinations and possibilities that they kept going through time after time after time, and Shane said that they had juggled eight different players in every different possible combination, and they kept doing it over and over. Dable said they actually had this scenario 
with all three tackles available of 15 course. different times. I would hope so. During the course of their possible computations. Yeah. So you, Mr. Crazy, Mr. Hypothetical Man, you were right. You were right on point. This, this what is you have to do. This is the game they were playing, and and it worked out. He, uh, uh, Joe Shane, we should mention. Shane said there were three teams who called him about possibly trading at seven. One bailed. Okay, one bailed on him. And the other two, he said there was no point in doing anything with them because the scenario fell into their laps. Well, he said they had six players. And that they had they a really seventh liked. emergency guy. Right, but if all six of those guys were blown out, right. then they probably would have moved down. And if they couldn't, if they could have. then they had the seventh guy. Correct. But he had these pl- deals in place, mm-hmm. ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he said two days ago, if I remember yeah. right, right? A yep. couple days ago. I, I think so he did. They were, needless to say, extremely prepared in every way, shape, or form, depending on how this thing they went. They telling us they would be. Well, well, and they weren't far, kidding. As far as the top seven guys go, he even mentioned that in his pre-draft presser when they he said did? that they were putting together right the rankings. He and, wanted seven guys, right? Correct. He, he wanted it. to make sure that he had seven guys. And also, just and by to the way, back, also, Lance, he also said he never had any conversations about the five. Correct. He said he got no phone calls on the fifth pick. That's right. Well, and I think once again, if you're the Giants, if you do fear that there's a significant drop off at pass rusher, the wise choice is you take your pass rusher there and then maybe you see how things play out if somebody wants to call you. But the fact that keep in mind, Equanu went to the Panthers at six at that point. So now you're left with Neil and Cross. If you would have gone down that hypothetical road and moved out, now there's a chance you don't get either of the two tackles that are left still on the board if you move down because Cross went to the Seahawks at nine and we're assuming in all likelihood a team probably would have taken Neal at some point or would have made the aggressive move up. So you still risk maybe not getting that right tackle shored up, which is ultimately how it played out for the Giants. So, I mean, that's more of a reason why you go with the position that you're a little bit shaky on depth-wise and then you let it play out according to where you feel comfortable either way, which was obviously the offensive tackle position. So once again, if you were Joe Shane and you scripted a variety of different scenarios, I'm sure he's very pleased, he and his staff, because I think they prepared accordingly and it fell right into place for them. And Joe Shane was asked about the late rumors that came up about Evan Neal's health and his hip and stuff like that. And he said that 8%, I believe, was the exact quote, had flagged him him as a potential issue. And that would have to be three out of the 32 teams, I would imagine. I think that's 8%. Um, Sounds right. So, And they flagged him, but they said the Giants' medical personnel had no issues with it. And obviously, he didn't miss any games in college, except for one for COVID. So they had no issues picking him there. And he did say that he would start him out on the right side of the offensive line at right tackle, which, again, not a surprise. The only one of those three top tackles that had a full year of starting experience at right tackle. He did stress the versatility because the fact is that Neal did put those other positions on tape, not just left tackle, but he put right tackle, right guard, left guard. He put them on tape, and he said, you don't have to wonder about can he do it. We know he can do it because we saw him do it. That was a definite stress point for Joe Shane, who also mentioned that, hey, it's important because you never know in a game when you're going to need somebody to move. You never know because you can't predict the injury bug. That's more of a reason why versatility, and I talked to you guys about this on previous Big Blue Kickoff live episodes, I think that carries more value if you know that you've already seen it, to your point, Paul, on film. The other thing I'll add is not that this may hold a whole lot of weight, but 
He also played a variety of different positions on the offensive line going back to high school. So it wasn't just college. He's been exposed to this even early in his career. And on the medical side of things, Thibodeau's ankle injury was also brought up, guys. And Shane pointed out the fact that this was actually something they respected Thibodeau about, the fact that he knew his ankle wasn't 100%, but he still played through that and tried to grind it out over the course of this past season. So while you never want to see a player obviously put himself in a more precarious spot, but that maybe speaks something of his work ethic and his ability to play through what may not be an ideal circumstance. Hey, Giant fans, Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. This podcast is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Giants. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or a place to deposit for individual games. 888-NYG-1925, Giants.com slash suites for more information. So, guys, in the end, I wonder what would the situation would have been if Sauce Gardner was there at 5. Uh, He was not asked about that, Joe Shane. My guess is that they probably would have had a similar conversation, right, about Thibodeau or Sauce then at five, and I imagine that would have been the question then, right? If the Jets went to Quanu, they would have decided between Thibodeau and Sauce, and then they probably ended up picking the tackle at seven is my bet, right? Yeah. Sounds logical. Now, we don't know how they felt about the rest of the corner crop. Well, Stingley was gone already. Right. That's the only reason why right. I say that. Right. So and how so does the drop off? How far is the drop between right. yeah. the second and third corners? Garner and McDuffie. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that would have influenced. He them. made it clear yeah. there was a canyon between the pass rushers. So if there wasn't as big of a drop off at corner, he might have gone for, for Thibodeau anyway. Correct. Exactly. We don't know. No, he might have. We don't know we don't that know. for sure. We don't know. That's true. Um, anything else you guys have on these first two picks here or no? Uh, I think it was very interesting how already it seems that Neil and Thibodeau have already gotten along very well. well they, were, they were hanging out in the uh, green room after the draft. <laughs> yes, and we got them on back-to-back conference calls, and they were kind of joking about each other. And and I thought it was really cool because Th- Thibodeau said, and i got to make sure I, I don't pronounce the H. Thibodeau is how he, he says it, not Thibodeau. Yeah, it's, Thibodeau. He says it as Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Uh, it was interesting how he was talking about. Which, by the way, we have a Thibodeau and a Thibodeau in town now. It's going to be know, very see, confusing. There's yes. two Tibs. It's not, it's not great. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, he was talking about how it's going to be great to be going up against somebody like uh, Neil because he will make him better, obviously. Great competition there. And then when Neil was asked about going up against Thibodeau, he said, I'll let my shoulder pads do the talking. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and Thibodeau said it'll be 50-50. It'll go either <laughs> exactly. way. But I, I think that summarizes the difference in their personalities, right? Yes. Thibodeau has the flowery statement that's going to get wrote up in the papers, and Evan Neal just says, I'm going to let my pads do the talking. There's I think that no kind of summarizes there the, the hard no hat, doubt. the lunch pail, yep. and just go to work. And, and, and you know what, John? I, I, I'll tell you, ultimately, when it all push comes down to shove, we look at the Giants. They wound up, and I, I will say, I'm very happy they took the two picks because clearly they had conviction in both of these players as impact players. Uh, for that reason alone, I'm happy they did not make a trade down or to trade out into something next year. In fact, you even said to me, Paul, look, nobody in the top ten traded. They, they all stayed the same no. because nobody was coming out. So the Giants were in a situation where, despite a little bit of conversation, 
They took the two players who were high-impact players on their board and in the right spots and also happened to fit very big needs. To be honest, Lance, I don't know how you could put a square peg into a square hole any better. Well, we talked about this all leading up to the draft. This roster was in need of infusing game changers and playmakers. Would you agree these are headache players? Sure. Well, I mean, most important, Paul, what I was going to add to what you said is— It's hard for an offensive lineman to be a headache player. Well, you you, you got to account how you're going to beat them. Yeah, I know, but he's not a guy—it's not a guy that's going to—you know, you don't you'll game plan around an offensive he, lineman. He's— Okay, I, I grant you that. He's certainly an impact player. Though, Thibodeau with what he can do. is certainly yeah. And the other uh, guy is for sure. Yes, Impactful, sure. I think, is a good way to put it. Yeah. But to John's point, I don't think defensive coordinators are saying to themselves and shaking in their boots that they have to worry about giving you know an extra defensive lineman assistance with whoever's lining up with Evan Neal, I think, from that perspective. I'll but, say this. That's a lot of beef at tackle for the Giants. Thomas on the left side. Neil on the right side. Is Thomas six seven also? Yeah, I, I don't know what they officially measure him at. I I don't think he's quite that tall. He might be a half it's an the inch Charles shorter. Charles Barkley rule of thought. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, thought, exactly. Yeah, but what but is he listed? I gotta think, look what he's listed. Think at. about the beef. I, I both tap and by the way, both Thomas guys is six are five. big. Six five. Thank you. And athletic. Think about that. So you're you're an edge rusher, and you're gonna play the Giants. And you're going to go to the defensive coordinator, and no, you're going to be like, rough. which side do I want to come off of? And both guys are big enough to run block, too. That's that's yeah. not going to be a fun matchup for any undersized tweener no. who's going to try to rush off that edge. The Giants may make a case to have and showcase the two quietest tackles in the <laughs> NFL right now. <laughs> right. Think about it, guys. You're right. Okay. Hey, and by Between the way. Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas. Let me say this, and I don't know when the last time we could have said this was, to be quite honest with you. Well, I don't know if you can say that better than Philadelphia. I was going to say the Giants might have the best pair of tackles in the NFC East. It's hard to say they're better than Mylotta and Lane Johnson, though. Well, let's say this. Joe Shane himself said with all the offseason additions, they have definitely upgraded their offensive line. And he said if everybody comes through and everybody's healthy, yep. it could actually be a position of strength. Yes, correct. He did say sure. that. He did and- say that. John, in fairness, I think before Evan Neal takes a snap, it's hard to no, elevate correct. them. Correct. So, I mean, I would always give too. the benefit of the doubt That's to a team that has some veterans That's at that fair position. Too. That's 100% true. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, 201 939 We're not taking calls today, but we will tomorrow on Big Blue, Big Blue Kickoff Live here at noon. All right, guys, so let's take a look at what else is happening in the draft. We're recording this. Uh, the 21st pick in the first round just went off the board. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, it looks like they moved up with the New England Patriots. I didn't catch the details of that trade. Um, there's been a bunch of trades, none in the top ten. And they picked Trent McDuffie. And right now, the biggest upset, guys, and Lance, you must be frothing at the mouth there. Your man, Jermaine Johnson, is still on the board I know. after pick 21. Well, somebody's going to get a steal, John. That would be my response to you. I'm really surprised. And we only had one quarterback taken thus far. Kenny Pickett staying at home, going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Malik Willis, if you remember, was tied to the Steelers an awful lot leading up to the draft. So, you know, that's another somewhat surprise that I would throw in there. But, yeah, Jermaine Johnson, who... Everybody was talking about his stock skyrocketing leading up to the draft, right? That maybe he could sneak into the top 10 to still be on the board. Something tells me I just think maybe a lot of teams are maybe a little bit concerned about that one season at Florida State. 
and banking on that being him scratching the surface as opposed to them being a little bit more secure in players that have multiple years on tape like a Thibodeau, who we talked about earlier, who obviously went to the Giants. Yeah, and there were some whispers, too, about having to you know, do some maintenance on him with off-the-field stuff. But hearing him talk, he seems like a pretty mature young man. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that's a surprise. You mentioned Pickett Lance. There's been a million trades. I can't go through all of them. Uh, the big one is that... Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have a wide receiver that the Giants are now going to have to deal with. A.J. Brown going from the Titans to the Eagles. And the Titans picking up the Eagles, pick at 18. And then they pick the guy that's been comp to A.J. Brown this entire draft process in Traylon Burks. Right? So, oh, you want to replace A.J. Brown? Okay, how about the guy we're not going to have to pay for three years? Okay, <laughs> here comes Traylon Burks. The Eagles' other pick was Jordan Davis. Shocking, Howie Roseman making two trades in the first round, moving up for Jordan Davis and then trading out of that pick uh, to get uh, A.J. Brown. Uh, other upsets, there's been a lot of wide receivers, guys. We've had six wide receivers off the board in the first 18 picks, which is a little bit nuts. Uh, both guards, if Giant fans were excited about one of those two guards dropping to the Giants at 36, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> Kenyon Green off the board at 15. Zion Johnson off the board at 17. Kenyon Green, uh, Houston had traded down. They select him at 15. And then the Chargers, who had been linked to Zion Johnson, my, my guess they're going to try to move Filer out to tackle, and um, they're going to have uh, Zion Johnson slide in there at guard then to try to solve their offensive line problem. So, um, well, how, how many pro- That's a good problem to yeah. have, John. Well, they got a lot of talent up front. Well, yeah, my, my point is that yeah. that's how they're going to fix the right tackle problem. No, sure. They're going to yeah. move the, the guard yeah. outside, and they're going to put Zion And Filer has some experience, so he's, yep. remember, came over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a proven veteran. Seattle drafting Charles Cross, solving their offensive line issues. The Saints get their replacement tackle for Teron Armstead. I believe we mocked um, Trevor Penning to the Saints in our mock draft on Thursday afternoon, if I recall, right? Mm-hmm. I, I believe so. I will happily yep. pat myself on the back for that. Um Shockingly, the Ravens just sit at 14, and a prospective first-round pick falls in their lap. Shocking that the Ravens would have such great luck fall in their direction. We've never seen that before. Yeah, the Ravens I mean, never have good players just fall to them. Yeah. It's un- they got it's really Jason away last year, yeah. It's really unbelievable. You know, although Hamilton's going to have big shoes to fill. Ed Reed was the greatest safety in franchise history. That's true, but <laughs> luckily he has a few years since Ed Reed. He does. Yeah. He does. He's got more than a few years to catch yes. up to Ed Reed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As I saying, well, that Patrick Queen, he's got to replace Ray Lewis. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, uh, but again, I mentioned all those wide receivers. And now here's the interesting part here, guys. These Packer fans are sitting there and they're like, what's going on here? What wide receiver are we taking? We're going to find out. They're on the clock right now. The pick right. is in. We'll wait for that pick. And then I guess, guys, anything else jump out of you, and then we'll talk about the Giants' options in the second round before we say goodbye. Well, I, w- I was adjusting my computer. Did you mention the fact that, that all that stuff that we heard in the last couple of weeks about Willis to Pittsburgh clearly wasn't going down? I had mentioned yeah. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they did yeah. take Pickett. Yeah. Yep. By the way, they, they, with they, the hometown guy. they had been connected to both guys. But, yes, Earlier Willis, Willis was heavier for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's the only other thing that, uh, that I thought. And, and you know what? Detroit taking Williams – when there are some people who are concerned about that knee thing, um, and yet there were others as it got closer and closer to the draft who said, you know, that's not a problem. Well, we did, He's going to go high. I should mention the trade. People like, how did Detroit get Jamison Williams? Well, they move. They, they got the 12th pick and number 46 back for pick 32, 34, and 66. So pretty good deal for Detroit. They did not have to give up a ton to move Great up deal. 20 spots there. So. Yeah. I thought that was a really good deal. I'll, I'll read that to you again. Oh, Quay Walker to the Packers. 
Wow. Very good. Oh, so they didn't get their wide receiver yet. In my own personal <laughs> mock draft, that's what I had today for uh, for them picking Quay Walker. Quality uh, player for sure. John has patted Inversal. himself on the back oh, twice. That's now. absolutely hundred yes. percent. But, no but, but, but you know, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of folks thought he'd be late, late first, early second. Well, that's a little high. Well, my guess is that they had him penciled in for twenty eight after picking the receiver at twenty two, and they're like, uh oh, no receiver. <laughs> we better pick Quay Walker. Well, I wonder yeah. if they'd go after Watson. No. Yeah, they could. They, they could. could have, or, they, they could. or Pickens, yeah. right? True. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. You know, or Sky, maybe, Sky maybe Moore. Maybe they just figured. He's more, yeah, I'll he's there too. You don't think Sky Moore's a good Randall Cobb replacement? Sky Moore's another one. He's sure. there too. Yeah. But they could have figured that one of those guys, in all likelihood, will be there at 28. Right. So let's right. address another position now, which we may not be able to Ooh, go at. We have a trade. The Buffalo Bills are moving up to the 23rd selection here. And they are going to be on the clock. Baltimore was at 23 previously, right, Lance? Do I have that right or have that incorrect? Yeah, Baltimore has traded the 23rd pick to the Buffalo Bills for 25 and 130. 25. And the Ravens just officially announced that trade. So I'm reading it right from Baltimore. All right, and we're going to hang no out. We'll, we'll hang out in, well, until, uh, until Dallas picks a 24-2. But since that's a Giants rival, we'll hang out until they okay. make that pick. Well, while we hang out, can I just bring up a few things that jump out to me yeah, in please. terms of yeah, the trades? Ahead, because I, I think there's some big picture themes here that I think are important for us to get to. Number one, we fielded a lot of calls on Big Blue Kickoff Live about the Giants would be great to move down to get a first-round pick. And, John, all those trades you went through, notice not one team, okay, acquired an additional first-round pick next year. The highest, even... the highest pick was 34 that got moved in the, in, in, in the Detroit trade. And that had 46 going back the other way. Yeah. Well, and that Vikings-Lions trade, that was a 20-spot maneuver yep. we're talking about, mm -hmm. and they still didn't get a first-round pick. So I think that's one important takeaway, especially since there are a lot of Giants fans that had the dreams of grandeur that, you know, they should just stockpile first-round picks next year. Well, we've had multiple examples, and not one first-round pick has exchanged hands in terms of future assets. So that's the one thing that jumped out to me. The other thing was, and you guys were alluding to a high volume of wide receivers. Well, why is it? Why are teams, right? Don't we think about when teams make an aggressive move up, it's probably for a quarterback or something else? Well, why is there a movement for wide receivers? What have we seen this offseason? What have we seen in the recent market? A lot of wide receivers, guys, are getting paid. A.J. Brown got traded. He wanted a new contract. Debo Samuel, we'll see if he gets moved. And, oh, by the way, A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel are represented by the same agent. For those of you who just want to connect oh, some I didn't dots, realize that. keep All that right. in mind. Okay, because, remember, Samuel was rumored to be traded. Well, his other client, A.J. Brown, gets moved before Debo Samuel. But the point is, I think a lot of teams are saying if we – grab a wide receiver and we have the fifth year option and then the franchise tag I mean good luck if you get that far without rewarding the guy with a new contract and I'm not threatening to hold out but you feel a little bit more secure in terms of the wiggle room for the cap space by having a rookie wide receiver than paying a wide receiver that is already due the second contract and maybe you can get guy that can come in year one and we've seen this right multiple years sure and make a significant impact so I think those to me are the two takeaways from all of these trades that we've seen well, one other and, and by the way I'll, let me just add to that real sure. quick Paul good teams are figuring out if you're paying a quarterback big money, it's hard to pay a receiver big money too. Simultaneously. It's hard yeah. to do both at the same time. And they would rather— Or any other position, John. I didn't mean to cut you off. No. I mean, you could yeah. say that pass rusher or whatever you want to Yeah, choose. but I think they believe that they can take 
the great quarterback add lesser wide receivers and still be good enough offensively while they would rather spend the funds on pass rushers. Like, the Chiefs didn't trade Chris Jones. They didn't get rid of Frank Clark. You know, they decided to move on from Tyreek Hill instead. So I think that's a theme we're seeing since so many wide receivers are coming out in the draft that teams say, all right, look, we'll find the cheaper one. Maybe he's not going to be exactly as good as Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams or whatever, but we'll find one because it's too hard cap-wise with these receiver salaries now popping over $25 million. Quarterbacks are making $40 million. You pay a quarterback and a receiver, that's 30% of your cap. It's a lot. It's a big part of your cap for two players that impact the same part of your team. Yeah, on the same side of the ball. Yeah. Plus, another example, by the way, the Packers invested in Preston Smith and traded away Devontae Adams. So that'd yeah. be another example like Great Kansas point. City. For sure. Paul, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, no, no. It's a good point that you, that you made. Uh, I'm just going to go back to one other thing, which I don't think we, we stress too much of, because in the last several days, there were more and more mocks saying that, that Trayvon Walker could potentially be the number one guy to Jacksonville. That's the way the heat was going, right? Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be true. Let's not forget, that is a huge gamble risk projection. Well, so is Stingley. A a projection. So is Stingley. But number one pick overall Mm -hmm. in the draft, and you stick your neck about 10 feet out into that guillotine Uh, to say, we're going to take this projection. Give Trent Balke credit, man. That guy is okay. Ooh, putting his neck out there, man. Whew. How good does he have to be to make that a justifiable pick right. three years down the road? And I'll even say this. At least Stingley showed he was an unbelievably, undeniably great player for a year. Yeah. That's, Walker never showed that. That's my point. At least as a pass rusher. Right. right. Walker is still, to me, mostly projection. Stingley at least had some tape. Walker, if they think he's going to be a dynamic pass rusher off the edge, that is mostly based strictly on faith and projection. That I'm telling you, man, in three years, boy, if that pick doesn't pan out to be a mega hit, Lance, that is that guillotine is going to come down hard. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you, Paul. Uh, the other thing I think is it's the being enamored with the measurements type of thought process. Mm-hmm. With Walker and just thinking that all of that stuff is going to translate. The other thing that I would add to your point, Paul, is sometimes, you know, you have a team draft in the top five, which made the playoffs or has their act together because they made a trade in the previous year, or whatever. Maybe it's not like Jacksonville can't use a guy to come in this year, right? And make an impact. Nah, I know. So, right? yeah, you're right. you know, that, that's yeah. the other thing that's a little bit surprising. My point is if Jacksonville was in a position where they had like San Francisco, where you had a bunch of defensive linemen, and you figure, okay, this protects you because a guy's due free agency the next year, so he can now take his spot. Okay, I get that mindset, but the Jaguars, they need a guy that's going to come in and help this team immediately. Even if you didn't want to do it on the defensive side of the ball, I would have argued you could have taken a tackle on the offensive side of the ball to help your young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So that's why it's even a bit more of a head-scratcher I understand Doug Peterson may feel he has security because he was just hired. But, yeah, for Trent Balky, whoo, I mean, you are really putting yourself out there in terms of this selection. All right, guys, let's start talking about the Giants here in round number two as players go that the Giants might be interested in. The Bills traded up. We thought they wanted a cornerback. Kyrie Elam is their pick at 23. Now Dallas is up at 24. Tyler Linderbaum still on the board. 
Jermaine Johnson still on the board. Devin Lloyd still on the board. Karloftis. And Karloftis and Ebiketti. Those are the guys that are the highest left on my personal list here, along with Sky Moore, of the guys left on the board. Paul, you had something on Elam. Comment about Elam, and and you know, because we discussed this the last couple days, he was my dream pick for the Giants at 36. That's You said you didn't think he'd make it? He didn't make it. (laughs) Okay. But there's still two guys there. Kylo Gordon's there. Yes. And Booth is there. That is true. That is true. Are those the guys right now that you're tracking as prime targets for the Giants as corners? I'd have to be tracking those guys because as the radar is is falling here uh, and we know the corners are starting to go, if there's a run and those two guys are gone, which is logical, the Giants are going to have to go elsewhere. But that's not really the point I wanted to make. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Earlier today, I was on Buffalo Radio, WGR, the flagship of the Bills. They specifically started asking me questions about Bradbury. They were fishing for a corner, and they didn't know if they were going to get one oh, in the draft. They did. And he, they were asking me about what was Bradbury like last year? What, what kind of player is he? How good was he the year before? Clearly, the, the wins in Buffalo must have been that they had some interest in Bradbury. Now, Joe Shane himself said today, what happened here at the draft had nothing to do with Bradbury's status. And Let it, has, make that it clear. has no impact on what, what they're going to do with Correct. Bradbury. Yes. Correct. But I offer that to you, that Buffalo radio seemed very interested in Bradbury today, and now Elam has been taken by the Bills. All right, so let's talk here, Lance, unless you have something quick on that very quickly. Well, I was just going to say, Shane and Brandon Bean, something tells me they've had previous conversations. Yeah, probably. Yeah, good point. that they can work something out if need be. That's the only thing I was So let's have a conversation here. Um, Should we just eliminate pass rusher as a possibility here in round two because of what just happened? I think you have to eliminate it because Shane's already said there was such a cavern anyway, so okay. I think the value is also going to be a problem. And we're gonna, I don't think you look for a pass rusher gonna, here. We're going to eliminate offensive tackles as a possibility too, right? Because I think got you have tackles. to. Okay, I'm just, I just want to set our parameters here as we have this discussion now, okay? And guys, I know we're, it's the 24th pick right now. Some of these guys might end up going off the board. If that happens, I apologize. Uh, but the guys, we're keeping an eye on here for, for, for that pick, guys. For me, Linderbaum, if he's still there. Devin Lloyd, if he's still there. And I guess then the two corners, Kylo Gordon and Andrew Booth, and then the three safeties that are second-round safeties. You are know what I think about Petrie, John. Jalen Petrie, Dax Hill has not gotten yeah, picked Dax, yet Dax, either. He's going to go. And Lewis Seen. I think Dax Hill's going to go gonna as be gone. well. Hill's going to be gone. Lance, who else are you keeping an eye on? And, and uh, yeah, who else are you keeping an eye on, Lance? Well, I got? was going to say, I don't know if I would remove pass rusher, guys. I understand what he said, but just because he said there was a drop-off doesn't mean that once you start the second round that you don't have guys that are maybe in Ooh, that ballpark. Here's interesting. We both talked about how Karloftis is not a straight edge. Correct. Could they think about him as a 3-4 D end? Look, I may not be very big on him, but someone's going to take him in the next 12 picks. I don't think he's going to get there. Okay, but that is someone I think we have to keep in mind because he's not a pure edge. I think Lance makes a good point that he's not a pure edge, so maybe he's a guy that could be in the mix too. Yeah, I, 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 I suppose because the versatility and his, his ability to play up and down the line is something that we've always talked about. Wink Martindale yeah. loves those guys. Who else, Lance, do you have in the mix? Well, Boye Mafe is still on the board. And once again, I know I'm naming edge rushers here, but I'm just I'm looking at some players from a value standpoint. Yep. That's what I'm looking at. It Not necessarily overwhelming need for the Giants because they did take Thibodeau. But, I mean, I think you guys pretty much named – the others Travis that would Jones. be in the mix. The only other one. one that I'll mention is, I don't think oh, you Devontae brought up Christian White. Harris. 
Yeah, Christian Harris is a good one. Linebacker right. from Alabama. I'll so, throw him in there. So, and and the Kobe Dean, by the way, linebacker out of Georgia, too. And you know what? Yep. Brisker, Brisker is not that far off in that vicinity. No, he's not. So th- these are all guys you could be talking about. Wyatt, and Devon, I mentioned, you mentioned Jones. Wyatt has to be in the mix, yeah, too. I, I, thought he'd be, I thought he'd be gone I, by now. I, you know, I think both of those guys are probably going to go. Yeah, so do I. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a guard in that spot, Linderbaum, the center, you know, I don't. I think it's too early for like the Jamari Salyers and the Dylan Parhams and I those agree. guys. I think it's I a agree. little bit too early for them. John, I have to tell you though, yeah. I'm not. I'm not as high on Linderbaum. Mm-hmm. I understand. I do understand the undersized thing is a problem. You for wouldn't me. pick him at 36. I couldn't. I couldn't. And part, I, I would. And, and part, I would. I would pick him at 36. Part of it is also strictly no position versatility yeah. whatsoever. I get that. That that's another big check mark against him for me. Well, especially if you're not going to start him year one, you want to make sure that he could play elsewhere. I, I think that's always something that you have to keep in the back of your wow. mind. And that the was... Cowboys just took Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, the tackle. Wow. wow. Maybe he they, did they... sneak into the first round and not just sneak in. Look how many picks are still left. Maybe they think he's a guard. Potentially. Start him at guard and then try to figure out a way to get him out of tackle. That's early for me. That's early for me. Uh, again, I could see him possibly sneaking into the bottom of the round. He's still got a, a ways to go. That's uh, three quarters to the round, 75% yeah. exactly, actually. Yeah. All right. Guys, any final thoughts before we wrap this sucker up and get it posted? Let's get some rest. We do it again tomorrow. <laughs> Big Blue Kickoff Live tomorrow at noon, guys. All four of us, you get the four amigos. Uh, but that's not a thing, but sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> with the at noon <laughs> tomorrow. To yeah, why not? Uh <laughs> <laughs> We're also the four musketeers, I guess, too, right? Uh, so we'll be there at noon on Friday taking your calls. Uh, we'll go another two hours, folks, so we'll have a lot of fun talking some draft with you. And uh, we'll have a draft season up tomorrow morning as well. Uh, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker, and I will break down everything uh, that happened in round one of the draft. For Lance and Paul, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Little Podcast and Big Blue Kickoff Live.